The metaverse is emerging as the next big technology platform, attracting online game makers, social networks, and plenty of investment. And sure, there's lots of hype surrounding the metaverse, but there's also lots of substance, development, and exciting trends. On this podcast series, Into the Metaverse, brought to you by Bloomberg Intelligence, we will break down the biggest developments and bring on the most interesting minds who are building, investing in, and experiencing the metaverse. Hi, everyone. This is Jan, founder and CEO of Super Social, and with me is Matthew Canterman, my co-host for this amazing podcast, Into the Metaverse. We are kicking off on 2022, and what a kickoff for the year it is. We have so many things, interesting things to share with you. First, I'd like to start with 2021 as being a defining year for the metaverse. As we've covered in our last episode of 2021, we talk about two defining moments for the metaverse in 2021. The first one is Roblox becoming a publicly traded company. And the second one is Facebook changing their corporate brand name to Meta. But once again, just for our listeners, we want to circle back on this very important question. What is the metaverse and what it is not to make sure that we're all starting from the same place in 2022. And as we covered a lot during 2021 in this podcast, the metaverse is not a device. You've probably have heard me and Matthew talk about this a lot. You've probably have seen us tweeting about it. The metaverse is not a device. It's not something you're going to access from your mobile phone. It's not something you're going to access from a VR Google or AR glasses or from a autonomous vehicle by Tesla or someone else. The metaverse is the next iteration of the internet. We have all been inspired by thought leaders like Tim Sweeney and Dave Bazuki and Matthew Ball, all of whom have been talking about the metaverse for the past few years. And finally, the rest of the world is picking up and joining the evolution of the internet. And we believe that the metaverse is really going to be this real-time, 3D, persistent, large-scale virtual worlds and environments where people are going to spend enormous amount of time doing so many things like playing and working and learning and entertaining and doing things that we always thought we're only doing in real life. And so we're very excited about that evolution. And especially in a world of remote and distributed, not just work, but distributed life, we feel that this decade is going to be phenomenal in terms of what's being built and how we are going to manifest our lives and our identities through these little avatars that are roaming all sorts of virtual worlds. Some of them are centralized and some of them are decentralized. And we're going to talk a lot about that as well in 2022. So Matthew, great to start the year with you. Excited to kick off on an amazing new year for the podcast. Go for it. Absolutely. It's been quite an exciting 2021. And I think there's a lot of exciting things for 2022. And there's also a lot of things I'm actually cautious about in 2022. And and we'll get into that in terms of Every technology platform development goes through the quote-unquote hype cycle. Gartner is famous for laying this out. You get the big wave of excitement that's usually far too early. Everyone comes rushing into the gates. Then we realize that we've got a long way to go, and you get to what they call the trough of disillusionment. And then once we hit that trough and we've kind of reset expectations, that's when we really start building to the future. I mean, just think about smartphones and being able to have a computer in your pocket. You know, that was pictured and rumored for decades before it became a reality. And so as exciting as this is, as interesting as it is, as we believe that this is the next platform, this is not the next platform tomorrow. This is the next platform for a decade or more. And it's really important to stay grounded. And so I I do want to kind of, you know, as much as I'm excited, I'm also trying to temper expectations because of 
all of the great things that happened in 2021 have shifted expectations and excitement from feeling like we're talking into an echo chamber and trying to get people to listen to us that the metaverse is important to now trying to walk people back and level set expectations. It is quite a different tone for me, I think. It's also, I'm looking at the the long view and, and playing the long game. And, and I think a lot of people need to shift their focus and, and stay aligned to where we're going. I love it. And I agree with you. And I think in a way, almost like 2021 was the year that the metaverse has arrived as a concept, something that everyone now recognizes that is going to be an important part of our future. Now, 2022 and beyond is going to be a journey of really realizing and manifesting our desires for what the metaverse could be. And it's going to be a journey. So I think for our audience, listen carefully to what Matthew just said. It's not going to be a sprint. It's going to be a long marathon, but we definitely want to have many, many sprints during that marathon. And it's going to be quite natural to assume that there's going to be up and downs in terms of what the metaverse is, what it's evolving. There's going to be a lot of great innovation. There's going to be a bunch of disappointments. But ultimately, to Matthew's point, I agree with you. It's a journey and we should all kind of buckle up because it's going to be fun. Absolutely. And some of the fun that just came out, you know, we're right in the heart of CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. I didn't go this year. It's now been two years since I've gone in person. That was the last trip I ever took before the pandemic was CES 2020. It's usually quite an event, but NVIDIA always announces a lot of great things. And we've talked a lot about NVIDIA on this podcast as a metaverse leader with their Omniverse strategy. They did make a lot of interesting announcements about their Omniverse platform. I think the most important thing that came out of it is they're really positioning themselves to be a key player in the underlying software stack of the metaverse and opening up the Omniverse as a free software suite to creators to 3D developers, 3D designers, I think that's really going to help them take the next step to really put themselves alongside Epic Games and Unreal Engine, Unity, Roblox as an alternative, You know, especially as you think about how ingrained they are with gamers, with game developers, and also how ingrained they are now with streamers and creators You know, and, and, and people going after that creator economy. I really think that what they're doing is going to put them in a really strong position to be one of those key software stack players going forwards. And I'm always a fan of open software and opening up your platform and letting creative people just have fun. And I think they're doing this the perfectly right way right here. Yes. And, and you know, I think that you touched on a really great point in terms of opening the platform. I think, you know, Team Sweeney has obviously been very vocal about the fact that for the metaverse to really emerge and be realized, it cannot be a similar evolution like what happened with, you know, social media and social platform in the past decade, which every platform has its own ecosystem and it's a closed chamber and it doesn't connect with one another. I think in the metaverse, everyone has a vision, which I think aligns with what Team Sweeney has been proposing, which is a connectivity and interoperability across platform. And I think he takes on a really interesting point of view where for the metaverse to really become and realize its potential from a total addressable market in the trillions, we're really going to have to have these platforms, these different environments, if it's Facebook and Meta and Roblox and Epic and Unity and what happens on blockchain for all of these things to connect together. You know, I think both of us, Matthew, share that vision for the world. And But it will be a journey to see how that actually happens because a lot of these platforms have been building their own echo chambers And they're very comfortable. They're doing well. I mean, if you look at Roblox, they're doing extremely well. But I can tell you also, as a developer of experiences for the metaverse, I am very much excited and bullish on a world that is much more collaborative and open 
together. You know, there is the saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. You, go on a, you want to go far, go together. I think if we go together, the metaverse has a much greater potential for human elevation than any one platform can provide on its own. I totally agree. And I, I think this is also a really important time to make that claim and make the in and get this out there because at the same time we clearly have other companies that are that have existing social platforms like Facebook Meta platforms and they're trying to, you know, push their vision of the metaverse as a closed system and try to retain their walled gardens or their or their content fortresses and 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 keep people within an ecosystem. And I think it's really important for consumers, for developers, for investors to think about where we've come with these walled gardens and what it's done to the internet economy in the second iteration, the web two iteration. And for web three, do we really want more of the same? Do we want this vision of these walled gardens? I mean, yes, it's insanely profitable if you become the walled garden, but is, is that really what we want, you know, the internet to look like, or do we want, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a proponent as well of the open interconnectivity of, of the internet and really, you know, enabling the creators. And I really think, you know, I, and it goes back to what we talked about with Yust in our episode a few a few episodes ago, several episodes ago now, is that consumers vote with their feet and they go where the fun is. And I think that consumers are, are getting fed up with walled gardens and they're getting fed up with, you know, networks that force the content to them. And I think the metaverse and user-generated content and, and all of these technologies that are really coming together is, is giving them a new way to express themselves and a new way for them to not only find content, but create and engage with things they want to. And, and I think that that's going to, by nature, that that will force this interconnectivity and it will help break down these walled gardens. And at least that's my hope because, you know, I, I, I think that's what we need in the next iteration of the internet to make it, you know, just a better place to be. And I think that ultimately with the evolution of the internet and we're talking about the metaverse, it's also about human expression and human connection, right? When we think about the metaverse, when we talk about 3D, real-time, massive, large-scale environments, we're, we're talking about manifesting ourselves, our personalities, our aspirations from the lens of an avatar. And we, as we talked about a lot in, in last year, Matthew, we can each have as people in real life, we can have multiple identities and avatars in the metaverse. And, and I think putting those avatars in a place where they can represent our aspirations, our creativity, if it's playing a game, watching a concert, going to a movie, having a date night, collaborating on a piece of work. All of those things are going to be way more powerful with platforms that can connect to one another. And so, you know, I'm very happy to for both of us to continue and be proponents of, of that open metaverse, very much in line with, with really what a lot of amazing people, entrepreneurs, builders are envisioning as well. And I think this is a future where people will be able to get so much more out of the internet and the metaverse in the future than, than today. I'm excited also for, you know, I, I was alluding to it, but, you know, for the human connectivity is hugely important. You know, who knows when the world will be back to, you know, a quote unquote normal, you know, I'm in Hong Kong and today we're just going back into lockdown, you know, two years into this for us. And so, you know, who knows when the the normalcy will return and, you know, as we're all looking for ways to interact with with the others remotely, digitally, the metaverse is, is a really interesting concept to enable these connections wherever we are. But it also doesn't have to be in a screen. It can also be physical, real world, and you know, aided and, and, and enabled by real-time 3D. So, and, and I think that's also 
super promising, particularly as we tie in the creator economy. You know, how how can we make physical concerts? We've talked a lot about virtual concerts. How can we make physical concerts more engaging? How all these streamers, you know, how can they better engage with with their followers on Twitch, with their followers on YouTube, and, and create more engaging platforms for themselves to really, yes, monetize their brand, but you know, build connections more deeply. I think you know, something that Craig Donato from Roblox talked about with the virtual concerts, but I think it's applicable to, you know, so many different things out there is every seat becomes a VIP ticket. I think that's a hugely important concept when you're thinking about human connection, because you're not just sitting a hundred rows deep in an arena. Now you're now, you can be face to face or avatar to avatar with, with a celebrity, with someone that you care about, someone that you want to be close with and learn more from. And so I, th- I think that the the ability to create these connections, but really personal connections, um, much more so than we can today through the computer, I think that that's really going to be a huge driver for consumer demand, you know, bringing people in, bringing people together. And then you start talking about the business opportunities on top of that. I think they become quite large. You know, we saw it. I mentioned CES, you know, the, the Consumer Technology Association did a a presentation and it was focused more on the enterprise applications of the metaverse, the XR strategy. You know, I, I think there's a lot of crossover now in terms of the use of the terms, you know, XR, mixed reality and in the metaverse. But I but I do think that, you know, a lot of what they're seeing as well, it, it all it all ties back to how can companies, brands better connect with consumers than they do in the current world. Yes, if you can get someone in a store, you can connect with them. But an e-commerce site, social media isn't a very deep personal connection. And so how can you improve that connection to make it more like the real world? And I think the metaverse is the perfect solution for that. Matthew, I want to echo what, what you just said, which is so fundamental, I believe. You know, we started the year January 1st. I wrote my annual kind of New Year's CEO letter. And the one thing I was trying to portray there was what I refer to as a meaningful metaverse. And what I described as a meaningful metaverse is a place where we can power creativity, foster inclusivity, and drive prosperity. And I think what these three things mean really is, number one, creativity. We want to enable people to express themselves, to be part of things that engage, that excite, that inspire. When we talk about inclusivity, we want the metaverse to be a place where everyone can feel belonging. We need to use the metaverse and this incredible platform to create sense of belonging and a sense of community, especially as you've described, a world where we are continuously continuing to be remote and apart from one another in real life. This is an opportunity to bring people together and bridge gaps and bring different cultures together. There has never been a better time. And then the third piece about driving prosperity, this is also an enormous opportunity, which we're already tapping into with a new generation of creators. As you know, at Super Social, we're so excited about working and partnering and building together with a new rising creator generation, this is an opportunity now that everyone is remote to really sharpen your skill set, decide what you want to create, what movement you want to be part of. It could be building on Roblox, it could be creating an NFT, and so on and so on and so forth, and, and really put your talent to work. There's never been a better time to do remotely what you dream of creating. And, and those three things really, for me, kind of encapsulate what the metaverse could be as a meaningful environment. So you can clearly tell we're not excited at all about this. No, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We're, we're both extremely excited and there's there's good reason for it. But as I alluded to in the beginning of the conversation, we are in the middle of the hype cycle and I'm just pulling up some data on my Bloomberg terminal 
using the transcript analysis function for Bloomberg professional subscribers. That's TA Go. If you search the term metaverse, you can see that in the third quarter earnings season, it's actually more than when I checked it last because there's more transcripts added. The term metaverse was used 713 times. This includes filings, this includes transcripts, this includes conferences, everything. 713 times. That compares to 100 times the prior in the prior quarter. In the year ago quarter, it was mentioned a whopping four times. So we've gone up quite a lot. There's a lot of people talking about this. There's everyone is throwing their hat in the ring, which is super exciting. I saw a demo from Walmart about how they envision, you know, shopping in the metaverse and having, you know, virtual assistants. You pick out food. Here's a wine pairing we can suggest. I think there's lots of cool applications of this in the future, but it's entirely evident that there's companies jumping on the bandwagon, throwing out the term. Heck, I even have had conversations with, you know, we launched our uh, our. our Bloomberg Intelligence Metaverse theme basket, and we're, we're, we're talking with fund issuers to create ETFs based on an index that tracks the basket. And, you know, many of them are just like, look, retail just wants the hype. They just want to ride the train right now. I mean, no, no one is no one is shy about talking about that we are in the hype cycle and they want to ride it. And companies are doing the thing that they think is best for their shareholders. They are trying to talk up prospects and and make themselves attractive investments. I get it and I get the game, but it's clear that for some of these companies, sure, there's going to be real substance under the hood, but for some, you know that it's vaporware. You know that it's hype. Are these companies going to be driving the development of the metaverse? Because again, this is something that doesn't exist yet. This is something that we're building to. And is are these companies the ones going to be doing it? I think companies like Facebook Meta Platforms, I mean, before they changed their name, before Zuckerberg went all in, I think we talked about how they had a really promising set of assets in place and could be a significant player in the space. And they came out and said they're going to spend $10 billion a year investing in it. So I think clearly they are putting their money where their mouth is. That's a lot of money. That's way more money than, than most companies combined are investing in the metaverse right now. The question becomes, will they be successful? I, I don't think there's any certainty they will be, but there's lots of other companies out there. And I, I won't name names to save face for some of these companies, but you know, there, there's clearly names that show up on this list of companies that are talking about the metaverse and trying to hype it up where you question it and you, and you say, does that make sense? We were actually looking at some other indices, some other metaverse indices that are being used by ETFs. And you know, a couple of companies pop up in those ETFs and you're just like, does IBM, are they really going to be a key player in the metaverse? Is that, is that a company you think is going to be driving this development of this platform? I mean, they could, they, they, they could, but you know, there, there's names that pop up. There's names that are people that are throwing their hat in the ring I think it's important for investors, for consumers to don't fall for the hype, don't fall for the vaporware, be attuned to what's going on and really look through the hype cycle to where the real substance is. Well said, Matthew. And I, I would just add that I think it's important to focus on the fundamentals and really learn from first sources, understand what the metaverse is really about, what is the journey of realizing the metaverse learn about the companies, go and actually spend time already in things that exist. You want to learn about the metaverse? Go play a game on Roblox. Go jump between experiences. Go into Fortnite. Go into blockchain and spend some time on Decentraland and Sandbox. Immerse yourself in these worlds. Open a wallet. Open a, Create your own avatar on, on, a, on a Saturday afternoon. Like Really start immersing yourself with some of these platforms that already exist which are proponents of the metaverse and in kind of the lead into realizing the metaverse. And then when you think about publicly traded companies, 
you know, I think it's important, again, to not only look at the data, but also try and unpack the buzzwords. Sure, everyone is now talking about the metaverse. Matthew, I think the numbers you've mentioned clearly articulate that now the metaverse is basically a word that everyone is now talking about. And that's cool. That's awesome. I'm also excited about when the metaverse excitement will decrease a bit so we can really go back to fundamentals, look at who are the real builders, who are the people that are going to overcome the phase of disillusionment, to use your Gartner analogy, and continue to build while everyone is moving to the next buzzword. Again, I think I mentioned last year, everyone remembers Solomo, remember? Social, local, mobile. Great concept back then when you know Facebook just started in, in, in the, and the iPhone was launched early 2010s. I very much hope and would like to believe and, and that the metaverse is not going to be one of those terms that dissipates into the obese. And I am confident that it, it will not because I think the metaverse, aside of the technical changes that it provides, it's also a paradigm shift of human behavior. That's why I encourage everyone to go and experiment and play and do things because the metaverse is about technology as much as it is about human, about human behavior and human expression. And I think it's important to always remember, ultimately, there are going to be people behind those applications. There's going to be people who use consumer applications. There's going to be people who use enterprise applications. The metaverse is going to touch all of those different industries. And so for each of you, our audience as individuals, you want to really ask yourself, how is the metaverse going to touch your life? personally, professionally, creatively? These are the type of questions that we believe can help you better understand the metaverse today and where it is going. What's the age old saying? Technology disappoints in the near term and usually outperforms our wildest dreams in the long term. And I think I think the metaverse will, will probably fall into that category. I think a lot of people see this potentially for some some visions of the metaverse, I think are actually quite dystopian and scary. You know, if, if you do believe that it has to be inside of a VR headset, I actually think that that sounds not fun at all. That, that sounds quite dystopian. And if that's the case, you know, I'm not looking forward to that that vision of the metaverse. You know, I know we don't agree on that, but there are definitely companies and, and people out there that that have that vision. And I am excited in the long run. But, you know, one of the other things that I think it ties into the hype. And we've talked about this at length on the podcast. We've gone in depth with Ryan Gill from Crucible about NFTs and blockchain and the metaverse and decentralized platforms. I think it's clear that there's also a lot of hype and a lot of things built into this, this segment of technology, of development, of it is finance to a degree that is quite not sustainable. There's a lot of things that are interesting and exciting and how these technologies tie into the metaverse for sure. And I think in the end, there will be some part, potentially, if not all of the metaverse will have some of these characteristics built into it. Who knows? It's still way too far away to actually know. But, you know, I, I think there's there's so much demand for ownership of digital identities and digital self that whether it's the tenets, the principles, or the actual technologies will make their way into the metaverse at some point. But Yon, you, you recently shared some thoughts on, on the virtual land sales that are going on. You know, I think there's been a lot of hype around those recently and, and how that ties into the metaverse. Just thought maybe it'd be a good opportunity for you to share your thoughts, what you're seeing there, what's exciting around these, you know, these land sales, but also why you think it also begs caution in terms of the hype cycle. Look, when we talk about the metaverse as real-time 3D large-scale persistent environments uh, that are happening on the internet, with that obviously come the realization that there are going to be these virtual spaces that are valuable where people build different experiences. 
And that means that just like real estate in real life, there are going to be spaces, lots, right? Virtual lands that are going to be valuable. And just like in real estate in real life, it's all about location, location, location. And so you can imagine that as these metaverse environments and virtual worlds come to life, people are already flocking like a gold rush to purchase virtual lands in different platforms. And, and I don't think it's necessarily about the platform. It's not about the central land, sandbox, Roblox. I think the point I want to make is a bit more general, which is, yes, is it exciting? Does it make economic sense to invest in virtual lands in the future? Absolutely. If we're going to live in the metaverse in the form of avatars and we're going to jump around between different places, there's going to be a metaverse downtown. There's going to be metaverse cinema. There's going to be all sorts of metaverse environment and experiences where the land and the value of the land will increase. Having said that, because we're in such an early stage of the metaverse and it is yet unclear which platform exactly are going to be the most relevant, the most attractive, I think it bears a bit of caution when people think about oh my God, I'm missing on an opportunity to go and spend and buy virtual lands on, on a, in, in those different environments that are running on blockchain and I can own these assets and it's going to be worth a lot. Yes, you might come across a few virtual opportunities where the land will be worth a lot of money. But at the moment, we are still working. And when, we, when I say we, I mean the builders, the platform, the creators. We're all just trying to build things that ultimately people are actually going to want to engage with and come back. And just like in real life, if you buy a piece of real estate in a neighborhood where no one comes to the neighborhood, your real estate is not going to be worth a lot of money and you know that. But if you're going to buy a piece of real estate in Soho, New York, then you've obviously made a great purchase decision. The issue is that Soho, New York hasn't been built yet in the metaverse and we don't know exactly the length of time it's going to happen. And so just be cautious out there when you purchase virtual lands don't necessarily feel like, oh my God, you're putting your money in, into the right place and be very deterministic about it. So we kind of want to propose caution. It's unclear yet which platforms are going to be the winners. It's unclear what exactly are the type of metaverse experiences that people are going to want to come back again and again to. And so therefore, make sure you're being cautious with how you spend about these virtual lands and understand that we are in the very, very, very early stages of that. I think the flip side to that, if you, if you want to take the positive view, is that it's early, it's nascent, it's not built. So if you're coming in and buying land in a virtual world, you have the opportunity to have the entire plan, the entire city plan of how do you make your land Soho? How do you make it the the, the hip, the hot area? And, and so, you know, if you come into it with a plan already in place, how you think this can really become interesting in a place for people where they want to hang out and socialize virtually that can help you stand out ahead and really make that a worthwhile investment. And so I, I totally agree. I think there's a lot of things out there right now. I think it's just the state of where we are in the financial markets. You know, there's a lot of greed in the market. And, and I think NFTs and crypto as a whole is, is definitely reflecting that to various degrees. And, you know, clearly you want to be cautious when it comes to that. But if you have a real plan, if you if you really can think about this ahead of time and not just come into it with financial motivations, but really start building I think there's a lot of ways that you can turn that into something really promising down the road. And just, you know, we're tying this in today, you know, because it's it's something that our listeners obviously care a lot about. But we also saw that OpenSea, the the NFT marketplace, just raised quite a lot of money. I believe the the they're they're raising three hundred million dollars at a valuation of thirteen point three billion dollars, according to TechCrunch here. 
that's quite a lot of money, a Series C financing round led by Paradigm and Co2. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't even know what to say. They've, you know, they've they, they've done quite a lot of volume. I mean, you have to give them tons of credit for what they've built so quickly. In the last 30 days, they've done about $2.9 billion of, vo- of volume of, of NFTs, according to DAP Radar. If you annualize out, that's $35 billion on an annualized basis. So so clearly they're doing lots of lots of transaction volume, lots of interesting things. But obviously, you know, and I think, you know, we were chatting before we started recording, clearly with a with a valuation that that large, there's more at play than just being an NFT marketplace. And I think what we've talked about in the past and how crypto assets, NFTs, digital identity plays into the metaverse, I think that's going to be a big part of them being able to grow into that valuation. The important thing here for me is that, first of all, congratulations to the OpenSea team. What an incredible journey and execution, jumping from 1.5 billion private valuation to 13.5 billion. Extraordinary. As a, as a founder and an entrepreneur, I salute the team and, you know, well done, guys. In terms of what it means, look, I think companies like Coinbase, like OpenSea and others, there's going to be a real, a real fight on who is going to have the most important direct relationship with users as we embrace open metaverse and decentralization. And really the question is, what is going to be the key gateway into the metaverse? And and I think that's why I believe you see these level of investments. I think that's why you see these valuations. Having said that, OpenSea is a young company, and I, I am certain that at least in the near term, they will continue and focus on their core business as a marketplace. It takes a long time to build a great business and it's important for them most likely to continue and focus on on that marketplace piece, especially as we know, Coinbase have, have launched in sort of limited access, their own NFT marketplace. I now starting to see other more niche marketplaces of NFTs like Fractal for gaming NFTs. So I think this whole NFTs marketplace piece is, is exploding. Ultimately, the bigger question is going to be, how are we going to access the metaverse? What's going to be the key gateway? And I think there's dozens of dozens of platforms at the moment that are trying to tackle it from different places. You know, we talked about Forte and Mythical last year. It's going to be really interesting to see who are the two or three market leaders when it comes to identity in the metaverse, when we talk about open platforms. And then most importantly, I am still, you know, the question mark that we talked about earlier today is at what point of time these open environments and 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 sort of metaverse identities on blockchain connect with some of the closed platforms like Roblox. That's a big TBD and, and meta as well. That's a big TBD, which I am very curious to see how it plays out. Absolutely. And, and, the, and the last thing I wanted to discuss so we can wrap up today's episode is, you know, again, it's something that we talked about with Eust and it always comes back to me because I think I totally lost sight of this for a while thinking about opportunities, businesses, you know, revenue, all these different things that you can see happening and you can lose sight of the fun. And I think that we can't do that because if we lose sight of fun, we end up with what we have. And I don't really know if there's a good way to avoid this, but for people out there that are building these experiences, for investors looking out there, take a step back for a second, go in and play Roblox, go in and actually experience these things. And just figure out if they're fun. Because if you're not having fun with it, and maybe it's not your demo, ask your kids to go do it, right? Because if it's if it's if it's Roblox or something that's, you know, for a younger audience, have them go in. If they're not having fun, is this really going to be sustainable? It could be a great business model, but it's gotta be fun. 
100% agree, Matthew. And to take a, a phrase from last year's episode with Ryan Gill, the metaverse in a way is the internet built by game developers. And if we think about it from that point of view, really, we are at a stage where a lot of the metaverse experiences that we're going to see over the next couple of years, I believe, will still relate to game worlds, game experiences, play experiences overall. And I think that will really open up possibilities for other industries. And gaming has always been at the forefront of technology. So it's also not going to be a surprise at all if the next 18, 24, maybe even more months will still be focused on metaverse experiences in the form of game worlds and play experiences. Totally agree. So with that, we'll wrap up. We got you a short little episode today. We'll be back in our next episode. We'll go much deeper into NFTs, blockchain, inside of virtual game worlds and how those experiences can elevate to the metaverse. So stay tuned for more great content and have a great 2022.